Hola, gracias. This is Jaws Blake of the Painter Files podcast. Hope you're doing well. I'm awesome. This is episode 92. <laughs> this is going to be fun. So, I am setting up my Louvitel camera, my Louvitel 166. So it is a medium format camera that makes it look like a flippy noise. Sometimes if you look through my photos, you'll see it. And I'm taking a picture of this random odd object I find sticking out of a wall. I think one of the cooler things about this camera is just the odd brick Lego shape of it. And it's just beautiful. Like it just, it just works. <laughs> it makes me really happy when I use it actually. When I first got it, I was super intimidated and I didn't like it. I was like, oh man, there's like all these switches and buttons and I gotta figure shit out. It was very, very, very complicated. But much like, you know, my thing that I say about Anchor, it's not complicated. <laughs> no, it was just, there's something about like the challenge of learning something new that is very terrifying at first. Because in your mind, you're like, oh, what if I fail? What if I'm awful at this? And the truth is, what if it happens? What if you are bad at it? That's okay. Being bad at something is not the end of the world. Being bad at something is simply how the world works. You practice and you come together and you figure it all out. I remember when I transitioned from acrylics to watercolors, I was super nervous because they're not, they're not the easiest things to kind of master they they kind of have their own little personality that you know in some ways you worry kind of hates you which is not true but you know it's still a worry in one's life that these things are difficult and so because they're difficult you worry that you're not going to be able to master them you're gonna waste a lot of your time and a lot of your money. Now, some of you may not care so much about wasting your time, but it means a lot to me to waste my money because <laughs> I can't get my money back. And, you know, that's nerve wracking. It's a little scary because it would be better if I could just do it. I got this one on the timer. But, you know, you have to take that chance to just let yourself, let yourself fail every once in a while. It's, it's a bit of a unconscious learning experience that you become unbelievably conscious of as soon as you start failing regularly. Really the first time you fail is pretty, pretty jarring. But after that, like, shit kind of gets a little easier. You, you learn to love your mistakes because you see now what they do to make you better. 
I mean, that's kind of the purpose of all this stuff, to just get better at the things that you really want to strive at. I kind of love that. Funny thing is, this kid named Elton I work with, good friend, talked me into finishing each one of my rolls now with, uh, with a selfie. Because <laughs> he says he starts every roll with a selfie, and he ends every roll with a selfie. And I thought about that, and I was like, you know, it kind of takes the pressure off of having to worry about it. I think there's, there's a lot of pressure and trying to get the right photo. And sometimes the easiest thing to do is just relax. And <laughs> happen. So that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set my timer. And I'm gonna let it happen. And then I'm gonna go inside and develop this roll. forget that when I wear tank tops all my tattoos well not all my tattoos tank tops and shorts most of my tattoos are then I guess yeah you can see all my tattoos and I forget that I have a lot of tattoos compared to most people and so you know I'm a mechanic and a painter so I guess my arms look like someone who works with their hands and I'm just going downstairs walking the dog doing whatever and I forget that some people see that and they I guess they feel a little intimidated now those who know me which is most of you my my wonderful gladys know that I'm actually a really chill guy I won't say that I'm I'm a pacifist because I happily will threaten to kick someone's ass for being a jackass, but I'm a pretty chill guy. So it's it's that odd perceptional thing that I just forget. I forget the world's like that. People see me most of the time with long sleeves on or button up or something of that nature and taking people's orders and trying to ride them up to get stuff done. And I don't think anything about it. It's that perceived crazy, I guess, that people worry about. I don't know. And here I am just being El Pantor. <laughs> just making stuff. Doing as I do. It's an interesting life we live. But this takes me to my survey that we've been doing, actually for quite a few days slash weeks 
And thank you to everyone who participated. I had some pretty interesting conversations with quite a few of you. It's funny how it actually got, quite a few of it actually ended up going towards, uh, hmm, I guess race. Uh, my question was, what does the color black mean to you? crazy thing about what's well, not crazy the interesting thing that I found out about uh, really like a lot of you was when I asked about the uh, I brought up the color theory aspect of like how black was thought of as this color that was devoid of all color is the end of color like the it was a uh, post color pro pre-color pre-color and then white was considered you know every color in the, in the spectrum, as far as light theory went. And then later they found out that it was actually the opposite. And I asked of, I asked on many different websites and like social media things, Patreon, etc. Twitter, Patreon, Instagram, I don't think I asked on Facebook. I don't really check Facebook very often. But um, yeah, like what do you think it actually, do you think it actually affected it? Did it? Because the definition was black was was basically nothingness. And in actuality, it's everything. Um, as far as the light spectrum goes, do you think it changed the way people thought of the color black? I think it influenced the color black. Because there are many cultures where they have where they have lots of like symbolism and colors and everything. And you know, death is not thought of in the same way death a lot of times was like a transitional period for a lot of a lot of belief systems but then you come to kind of you know like Christianity and stuff like that as far as like their like Judeo-Christian type ideas and black is like this thing it means you know death and the end etc and that's scary for a lot of people because you know the way they view death so questions arose uh, amusingly enough from a bunch of you uh, started talking about race, actually. And although I knew it was going to come up, I didn't think it was going to be as predominantly part of the conversation as it was. I thought people were going to go into all types of things. And it's always kind of funny because depending on who I talked to depended on how they interpreted the phrase. Amongst the women I talked to, all of them actually talked about race. Uh, they're from different backgrounds, different races, so on and so forth. But they all talked about race and like how like skin tones weren't actually weren't actually the color black or white. And it was interesting that, you know, they used they used the color black to vilify or downgrade, you know, people of color basically. African Americans, um, people from the Caribbean, people from Africa, people, you know, every 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 nation has their version of of black. Uh, black Irish, so on and so forth. And it was just kind of interesting how the term black suddenly became like, was, was thought of a lot of cases, depending on the time period, as like a very negative thing. And it wasn't really representative of the people. Descriptive-wise, it wasn't representative of the people. So that was interesting. Then I got into 
discussions with some other people where they studied color theory, like my friend Tina Asaro, who's going to give her definition and her thoughts on it in a couple minutes uh, on here. And it was just kind of, it was really, really, really interesting. I thought it was strange to see the people who refuse, who didn't want to, who wanted to look at it on a scientific spec area, no, on a scientific level, as opposed to a mm, practical level, I guess. They saw it more kind of like a, a file note, and that was really kind of. It really caught my eye. It was interesting to me because it was one of those... I won't say they deflected because there wasn't really a deflect to deflect. I didn't really nudge anyone one way or the other on this. But it was it was interesting. Like my definition. Because really that's what's probably going to come out the most. Uh, black is a color. It's the color you get when you close your eyes. But it's really because that's the way your eyes perceive it more than more so than you know that's what it actually is like a black hole pull is so strong it pulls even light inside of it so in actuality like it's kind of the end of things but we don't really know what happens past black holes so maybe it's transference maybe it's just energy like when I look at a crow I don't see or a blackbird I don't I don't see death I don't see those things, but I also kind of grew up in a different culture where, you know, death is not necessarily the end of things. It's not a full-drawn conclusion of all of all these things. It's, it's not as scary as some of you may look at it, in my eyes anyways. I remember my grandmother passed, my abuela. My mom was asked by a nurse... We're really sorry you didn't get to be with her in her final moments. And my mom was almost offended. And she was like, yeah, that's not really a thing that I try to do with people. Like, like I don't relish the last breath. She said, I like to believe in them and be who they are while, while, while they're in my lives and so on and so forth. And it's her mother, but... She was like, I'd been with her every day and every moment. And then when she did pass, she was surrounded by people who were taking care of her. And like, that's all it was. To that, to her, that's all that really mattered about it. It wasn't, it wasn't the fear of the abyss, you know? So it's interesting. It's interesting. I personally wonder if, had the color spectrum, I think in my eyes that the definition of the color spectrum came after probably the church's intervention as far as art and art definitions go, kind of like a Renaissance period thing. I could easily look this up and just find out. But my theory is, but the problem is you don't really hear the influence of things as much as you hear kind of specific dates. And so my my, my theory, if you will, is that it was probably at least nudged by the church's idea of like goodness and badness black and white there's a lot of kind of like shadow and forlorning as far as like dark and shadows go in paintings and you know being the ink king and all these things I feel like 
you know, I use ink constantly for everything. And to me, ink is kind of the, is oftentimes like the byproduct of something being, stop ceasing to exist, the breaking down. It's, it's the blood, it's the, the body, it's the everything. It's, it's the leftovers. It's like oil. So, yeah, it's like painting with spirits, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I I do wonder though, had the definition had 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 they had been doing color theory before all of the things happened, say transatlantic slave trade and so on and so forth, would they have called people from Africa black? Would there have been another word? I mean, there's there is another another word, but we're not going to say that word that they called them. And it uh, yeah. We're not, we're not even gonna, we're not gonna broach that. Um, yeah, so I'm just interested. I want to thank everybody who participated in all this, and, uh, yeah, we're just gonna go over all of it and see what it comes about, you know? I, I love that we're doing kind of a back-and-forth participation thing, and I think more of this is needed on a large scale. I guess in a way, that's kind of what I wanted to do with the Discord. I wanted to come up with something where we could have these discussions all the time with each other and with me. And I don't know. I feel like you get a better understanding for people when you talk to them. I was asked a really, really, really long time ago why ink? Why why mostly black? Why why the color black and then all the colors that fall after? Ink just has this special role in my life. It lets me create like like I'm I'm painting so that I don't die. Because that's how it feels. It feels like while I'm in the midst of creating, I'm, I'm fighting at death's door to work my way back out of some place where no one has ever existed before, in the deepest, darkest parts of space, where the world is only a whisper, really. And if I, if I don't do it, it won't be done. <laughs> I remember saying this and someone told me that, like, I forgot how fucking intense you are. <laughs> and we both laughed. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And I told them, I was like, I want to... I want to paint paintings that feel so exhausting in my body that it feels like I've had the craziest sex of my life. That I've literally... mm, I feel bad about saying this because I know kids listen to this sometimes. (laughs) That I've literally... uh, I guess step them out, plug their ears for a second. That I've I've literally fucked the inspiration that lives inside of my soul for the moment onto the page 
and cover, uncover their ears. You know? <laughs> Sorry. That's what I want. That's what it means to me. To leave all that I am on that page. That's what the black is. The black to me is the emptiness. The emptying of my creativity onto the page. It's beyond the spectrum. It's beyond definitions. It's feeling and emotion and passion. That's what it really means to me. The night sky producing all the light that covers the whole world. That light that's existed a thousand years ago, we're seeing it now and now it's gone. It's not the same light you'll see tomorrow. Like that 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 is what it is. <sighs> this deep dark passion. It's more than a passion project. It's a passion existence. That's the feeling I want. It's like waiting for the hold in your chest that is the blackness to close as it pulls everything around you inside. So nothing else is there but, but you and the whole. That's kind of the dreams I have, where there's a black hole in my chest and everything's going away. And it's just me standing there, naked in the nothingness. And my fingers are black, like they've been dipped in ink and I'm painting a new universe from all the matter that was. Like I'm filling up like a water gun. I told you I was intense. <laughs> That's me. Thinking. Six years now. And in that, my studio faces the road. And on the road, a lot of people get pulled over. I never quite understand why so many people get pulled over. And why when they get pulled over, there's so many police. So many police. Like I've seen six cars sometimes pull over one car. And it's never really made sense to me ever. And so, I've started making it a purpose now that every time they do it, and I see the light through my window, I come outside and I take a picture. Because I feel like these moments need to be documented. So I do. I'm not expecting to see some misjustice done or anything, but it's literally such a constant 
in my life. But I find it necessary now in a completely empty night where the only light I see is the light pollution of police lights. And it just makes me think. About my life. I'm not guilty of doing anything. Half of the people I see aren't really guilty of doing anything. And yet, community-wise, we're a little terrified. Not because we're scared we're going to get pulled over from not doing anything. I mean, that happens, but that we're going to be punished more harsh and in a more vicious way than some of our counterparts. It's a scary thought. I'd rather be wrong about it. But history shows I'm not. I just don't know. I guess the weird thing about something like that is I'm not sure even the purpose of the project. I think in my mind I want to document all the times I see it to make like a a chronological thing because I know what it's like to get pulled over and not think you did anything wrong and be all alone and have no one to witness, no one to, to see you. You can't really, you can't get aggravated. You can't raise your voice. You can't take too long to answer the question like you're thinking about what to say. You can't move too fast or seem like you're not paying attention or be too hesitant to answer a question but you also can't instinctively just move I remember when I got pulled over once I was just at a stop sign and I remember the first thing I thought I asked was well my license is in my back pocket is it okay if I reach for it and the guy said yes and he seemed nice, but he also had his hand on his gun the whole time. And that was terrifying. This is a routine traffic stop, so to speak, where he was writing me a ticket because he said I rolled through a stop sign. I don't think I rolled through it. Even to this day, I don't think I rolled through it. But I also didn't have time or money to fight it in court. And if I showed up in court and he showed up, then I was going to be screwed. Because it's going to be his word against mine, he's going to win. So I just paid the ticket. And my license and my registration 
was in my car, in my drives box. And I asked him, you know, can I reach in there and get that? And he said, yes. And I did. And once again, hand on gun. And I was very polite and I was very nice. I do look like me. Um, and it was just, it was such a scary experience. And I was really angry when it was over because I was just so defenseless to it. I don't think I've ever really felt at peace since that moment in a lot of ways when I see the police pull people over. I've definitely worked with many a police officer in my life uh, as a mechanic. I've worked on many a police department vehicle sorts. Um, and I've even become friends with some of them to an extent. But I'm... It's such a hard... It's hard to not feel on edge by some of those things for the rest of your life. I don't remember what the guy looks like, really. But I remember what his gun looked like. I think that's kind of the thing. And I've never, I've never held a gun in my whole life. I have all these friends who have all these stories about guns, 22s, AR-15s, and shotguns, and pistols, and lugers, and all this stuff. And I kind of know what some of those things are, but I really don't have a strong indication of it. I don't paint things like that. I know knives. (laughs) I know swords. I don't know. I don't know guns. I've never really known guns. I'm not sad by any means. I'm just... It's not something that I was, I was taught growing up. So, I don't have a strong background in it. And I've never really wished to know anything about it. Which is funny. Because, you know, grew up in North Carolina. And when I wasn't in North Carolina, I was in parts of Latin America. So, it's such a strange, odd thing. I'm told it's nothing more than like a hammer, it's just a tool. A hammer can be a deadly weapon. I don't know. I guess in a way my weapons are brushes and pens and cameras and podcasts. What a way. Eh, knives, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I do have a knife, but that's really about it. I don't know. 
I just want to live. I want to live. I want to bring the world art. I'd be okay if one of... (laughs) I told Alec a while back, one of my favorite things I dreamed about once a long, long time ago was I want one of my paintings to be involved in a... In a, pol- in a dispute that police have to break up and make the news. Like a divorce that gets out of hand. People like are yelling and screaming at each other, trying to walk out of houses, holding one of my paintings, going, this is coming with me. <laughs> like there's just something really amazingly ridiculous about that, but it just makes me laugh so hard and giggle inside to think about such things. It's like, oh, yeah. These people break up and everything falls apart, and they're like, no, I'm taking of course, at that point, I shall no longer be Joara Blake. I shall be Joara Blake. <laughs> it's from that ridiculous Keen Peele sketch with the teacher who's like, she's, he's mispronouncing people's names because, you know, they mess up names like Joara, but they get names like Alan, right? So it's Aileen. <laughs> and they're like, no, it's Alan. Don't kill me some silly-ass name like Alan. <laughs> I'm just like, Balake. Boom. Should just be Balake, honestly. I think Balake would be a much cooler name. <sighs> yeah, fuck it. Joara Balake. I like it. I like it. It's mine. It's mine for net forever now. My my stepmother already calls me it as a joke. I'm, I'm taking it. It's mine. I don't know how I'm going to get people to pronounce it that way other than correct them constantly. Things can be hard though. My dad's kind of a famous radio star, so he's kind of he's kind of ruined it a little bit. But I shall I shall reinvent and make it anew. <laughs> the blocking name shall last. <sighs> I don't know, guys. My galettas. So, side note. So I wasn't able to hook up with Tina. I'm sorry. I know I promised you guys she was going to be on this week. She's not going to be on this week. Um, I think just too many things came up for everybody. Our times didn't sync. So uh, I'm sure she will be on at some point in time. I'm sure we'll even get the recording for for it. And I'll just, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be fine. Um, I found out a cool thing called Blacktober, which is a lot of black artists are putting their artwork out in kind of like spooky art and like just kind of beautiful like black artist type of thing. So in addition to Inking Tover, I have or IKO. I got it right the first time. Check that out. Um, I'm also doing Blacktober. Blacktober is easy because I have so many paintings already. So I'm just folk. I'm just featuring them because eh, fuck it. I'm, not, I'm making a bunch of stuff all day. I mean, I like making stuff, but. Psh- busy (laughs) too busy living life right now to sit down and make a billion paintings even though it is my favorite thing to do it's just difficult you know I wanna and honestly like I think more so than anything on a difficult aspect like on a very 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 basic aspect like there are so many things that I've done throughout the years that I thought just didn't get the respect they should have gotten they didn't get the time from people to really look at them and enjoy them and kind of dance in them with their eyes. So I'm going to give them the opportunity now. 
Yeah. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> feels good. Mm, just feels good. Uh, I figure most of you do not do TikTok, but if you do, you can find me as uh, Juara Balake on there. Bielakei. <laughs> and yeah. Um, last but not least, this is just a good time to say if you guys are having any type of mental health, this is not an ad. Um, if you guys are thinking you ever have any mental health issues that you want to kind of, that are really kind of chipping away at you. And, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to listen, obviously, as are probably many a person in your life who's amazing. But there is no shame, or there should be no shame nor stigma in getting actual help from a professional if necessary. And, uh, yeah, I think of all the things that I'd like to do, I would like to start fixing a lot of the stigmas that exist in, in our culture. So, uh, homophobia needs to stop. Uh, transphobia absolutely needs to stop. Uh, let me see. Uh, fear, phobias of people with mental health, mental health issues, or people having mental health issues, yourself included, should really stop. Uh, we shouldn't be fat phobic. We should not be body dysmorphic phobic. We shouldn't be hateful. Any of those things. Definitely not sexist. Xenophobic. Arachnophobia is not good. Um, Gorophobia. Uh, I guess you can have phobias about dendrophiliacs. That seems fair. I really, I can't really think of a good way that I can't think of a positive spin for dendro, for dendrophobia. I'm going to make you look that up. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what that is, um, but it's very funny. I got Tom's foot reaching under the door to try and get to me. I locked him out of the studio so I could record this last bit. I just want to say good night. Hope you're all well. It's the end of the episode. Episode 92, Painter Files podcast. All the love. Thank you so much for your support. Please uh, share and rank this on iTunes, if you will. Write a, write a review on iTunes. It helps people see the podcast. And it just makes me feel nice to just read reviews every once in a while. Until um, I can talk to you later. Have a great one. Painter out. Ciao. Bye-bye. I thought I was done. I guess I'm not for the night. We heard this police officer on his loudspeaker yelling at someone pulling them over. And so I'm gonna take a picture to see what's going on. Because I feel like you gotta document stuff. What a fucking life.